Welcome to another informative episode of the No Harm Health and Safety Podcast. No Harm is the podcast for health and safety professionals like you. We're here to help you sharpen your professional skills and better understand emerging issues. Let's get started. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the No Harm Health and Safety Podcast brought to you by Stimulant Strategies. As always, I'm your host, Marvin Polis. Now for this episode, I'm in my home office because COVID is still going on and joining me remotely is Dave Farrow from Dave Farrow Safety Limited. He's the president of the company and founder as well. We're here to talk about the great resignation, which is a very timely topic given the everything that's going on with COVID and people considering maybe not going back to work. But it's also a very timely topic, given the pending retirements of many baby boomers. So Dave, tell me what's on your mind with respect to the great resignation that everybody's talking about. Okay, that is a kind of a huge topic. But where it sort of intersects with health and safety is uh, we're seeing a lot of people leaving the industry. And I think we're kind of seeing it in a few places. Uh, as you mentioned, the baby boomers are definitely retiring. And with uh, COVID and some of the changes, I think it may have hurried some of that along. And uh, what we're seeing behind, at least in construction, uh, we don't really have a big middle generation. It seemed like there were a lot of baby boomer types coming out in the trades. And then we had uh, fewer people in the next generation. And now we're starting to replace them with the younger millennial people. So we were even having problems filling trade positions before the resignation came along. It's something that I've experienced as well, working with many of my clients, is that there's been some concern for many years with respect to backfilling those positions as the boomers have retired. And there have been many really strong campaigns out there to attract younger people into the trades. In your opinion, has that been working? Well, it it has been working to a point. We are seeing younger people in, but I think we might see a little bit of a difference in value to some of the younger people as opposed to people maybe my age and older, and I just happen to be 50. I really find that the young people are very much interested in finding work that's very satisfying and something that works with their lifestyle. And uh, construction and trades, I think the big thing they don't tend to like is uh, out-of-town work and being separated from friends and family. I see. And what are some of your observations with respect to the safety culture of the younger people who are coming into the trades? Well, people are people, right? There's always a mix. But overall, I find the young people are pretty good and they're pretty trainable. And uh, they expect the job sites to be safe and they expect the management teams out there to kind of do as they say, if you know what I mean. It's uh, how often have we been on a site where you go through a really good orientation and then uh, your first day of work, it's nothing like what was promised or said. And are you seeing any indication that there is some concern that people don't want to enter the trades because they consider it to be shall we say, an unsafe line of work? For sure. uh, I think that's a distinct possibility because I know the young people are often interested in a job that's comfortable and something near home. So something that's particularly hazardous or dangerous and that is uncontrolled would definitely be something that would turn them off of a particular job, I think. So it's really incumbent upon the employer to have really solid safety programs in place and that these safety programs are really well known, well understood and well implemented in the field without any hint of hypocrisy whatsoever. Oh, precisely. Yeah. People pick up on hypocrisy right away and it becomes glaringly obvious. So a lot of time really has to be spent uh, on those frontline supervisors. Usually I find that's the area of breakdown. We'll often see the, the workers want to do the right thing. The management will want to do the right thing. 
But sometimes the frontline supervisors get caught up in the uh, production mentality as opposed to uh, looking after the safety part. And usually with a bit of training and a bit of understanding, that goes away. Now, I understand that in your business, you are involved in training. So what are some of your observations there with respect to training supervisors in addition to training the younger tradespeople? I think you have to have a bit of a plan. And uh, it doesn't even have to be very difficult to implement. There's some great programs out there already that a person could take advantage of. In construction, the Alberta Construction Safety Association, for example, has Leadership for Safety Excellence. And that gives uh, a really solid two-day background for the uh, supervisors to take. And if you were to simply take your own safety manual after that and do a bit of a page-by-page turn through it or create a PowerPoint with the highlights of your safety program, that would be a good solid start for most companies. Understood. Now, one of the other things that I'm wondering about is because baby boomers are retiring and many, many more are going to retire just because of age and also because they don't want to go back to work after COVID, are we going to be in a situation where we have relatively young, only partially experienced supervisors supervising tradespeople who are very green? And do we have a potential situation brewing here? Well, I think we already see that situation, yes. And one of the problems that we get uh, with a new supervisor, let's just say a carpenter, for example, because that was the trade I'm most familiar with, you tend to get promoted into a supervisory position because you're a good carpenter and you're a good productive carpenter. So the minute you're promoted, you don't actually have supervisory skill set. It's a whole different skill set. So what you really need are some of those old uh, baby boomer type folks that can mentor the young people. But if we don't get the younger people mentored in both those supervisory and trades positions before we lose that big bulk of our experience, we really have no way to replace that easily. Do we also have a situation where we have people who are moving, you know, maybe from one trade to another and and maybe they don't have the right certifications and that sort of thing and maybe there are implications there. And I'm thinking of an example where we're going through a renovation right now with our home and one of the contractors said to us is like, you really have to be kind of careful because of the, the lack of access to tradespeople. They're just all so busy is that one day somebody who's working on the floor of your house, it, 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 it may be somebody who uh, yesterday was sweeping sawdust and today, because of lack of availability of the qualified tradesperson, he's actually putting down your subfloor and now you might have some safety issues. Yeah, you could certainly get that. A lot of the trades aren't certified trades, for example. Uh, like To be a, uh, a framer, you don't necessarily have to be a carpenter, right? Even then, if you take a carpenter who's only done uh, heavy industrial form work for the last 10 years and suddenly he's off work and decides to do your baseboards and your oak finishings, right? You're going to have some trouble there. That's just from a quality standpoint. But from the safety standpoint, for sure, there's some things homeowners need to be concerned about. If you get people up on your roof, for example, and uh, they're not trained and don't know that they have to tie off, you as the homeowner could technically be the prime contractor for that. So you really need to make sure when you hire someone that you have in the contract that they'll be prime and that they're going to take all of the precautions they need to and follow OH&S legislation. And then what are the implications of this in industrial situations? For industrial, you know, industrial tends to vet their people quite carefully. So that that is helpful for them. But it is quite uh, common in industrial to have pretty high apprentice load to experienced folks, right? And an apprentice doesn't necessarily have to be the new stereotypical 19-year-old out of high school. He could be a 40-year-old switching trades, right? So anytime we start uh, going out of our own area of expertise, there is a bit of time where you're going to have a learning curve. Now, as we come out of COVID and we go into recovery mode and capital projects start to boom again, 
What are your observations about what needs to happen here in Alberta to make sure that the workforce is prepared and safe? I think there's a few things that need to happen there. Uh, Companies need to be ready to receive the people. And people that have been off for a while, they might be rusty. So there is definitely a place for a good competency program where you look at all your people and see whether they're remembering all the skills that they used to have, making sure that they uh, do understand all the equipment that they'll be using and so on. And uh, we really need to attract some of that baby boomer talent back. There's a couple of strategies we could use. Keeping the job interesting, of course, is the big one. But uh, we might look at some options we haven't, like part-time work. Another thing we really uh, should make sure we are paying attention to in our health and safety programs is going to be our post-injury loss reduction stuff. When we have older workforces, we are going to see strains, sprains, things like that uh, in a little more than we're going to see in the younger folks. So if you're set up ahead of time with a good modified work program, and uh, even if you go so far as to have a partnership with an occupational specialist physician or a physio clinic, you're going to find that you're able to get people back quicker after injuries and maybe even prevent the injuries from uh, progressing to the point that people lose time. So I'm a big proponent of making sure your modified work and post-injury loss reduction programs are up to snuff. Good thoughts. Well, Dave, is there anything else you want to say with respect to the Great Resignation before we sign off? The only other thing I'd like to say there is, you know, the Great Resignation, uh, there's been a lot of media. I don't think it's something that we can't overcome. We have seen shortages in trades before, but, you know, the trades are a great place to work. The jobs are out there, they pay well, and I find them very satisfying myself. So I think that we will eventually attract those tradesmen into the jobs. A lot of it is just letting the young people know the opportunities are there and uh, what they can do with them. Well, splendid. Well, Dave, before we sign off, where can our listeners learn more about you and what you do? So if anyone wants to uh, learn a little more about me and my company, they just have to look me up online. So it would be dfsafety.ca. Great. Well, once again, thanks for joining me today, Dave. Really appreciate your thoughts. Yeah, thanks for having me today, Marvin. I really enjoyed the whole interview experience. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the No Harm Health and Safety Podcast. Be sure to join us next time. And a reminder that you can subscribe to us for free on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The No Harm Health and Safety Podcast is a production of Stimulant Strategies and Media Productions. You can learn more about us at stimulant.ca. All the best, everyone, and stay safe.